Well, hello everyone. Shall we pray? Lord God, merciful Father, you are so good to us. Each day is a gift from you, and we ask that you help us to be thankful and make the most of it. In your service. Amen. When we started this short series, I said that it's a story for people who wonder whether a life of integrity is worth it in tough times. Uh, and it's a story for people who can't imagine that anything great could ever come of their ordinary lives of faith. I said it is a refreshing and encouraging book, and I hope you have been refreshed and encouraged as we continue to live through these difficult times as a new refugee crisis arises in Afghanistan and its borders. Uh, and as we live with the scary warnings from the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change on the damage being done by humans to the planet, and of course the death, suffering and social disruption of the pandemic, we certainly live through some difficult times. We've seen, as we've looked at the first three chapters of Ruth, that goodness matters, that the character matters, that God values the struggles of the ordinary to overcome the bitterness in their lives, and that the mysterious hand of God is at play in this world. And with the closing of this story, with the genealogy that passes through Boaz to King David, we see that God has always had both a plan and the intention to save and restore his creation. For the David referred to at the end of our reading today uh, is King David, uh, and he would receive a prophecy through the prophet Nathan uh, that we read in 2 Samuel 7 that the Lord declares to David that the Lord himself will establish a house for David the descendant of Boaz and Ruth. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And this offspring would be our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, in whom all our hopes and promises of joy rest. Our things may be hard at the moment, but we know that our futures are secure with Jesus in his eternal kingdom. That was Jesus' promise in our second reading. That were, they were the words of Jesus telling us to listen to him, love him and follow him. But in our first reading, all that lies in the future. Most of the book of Ruth is made up of the ordinary actions of ordinary people, although it does end well. It ends well despite the things that could have gone wrong. <clears throat> Ruth could have taken Naomi's advice and stayed in Moab. Boaz could have not noticed Ruth or not offered Ruth protection or misunderstood the behaviour we saw last week. The nearer kinsman could have bought the land and taken Ruth. So much could have gone wrong, but it didn't. Excuse me for a minute. Naomi started as an unnamed wife <clears throat> who went with her husband and sons to Moab. 
and turned their backs on Israel and God's promises. In the land of Moab, the three men in Naomi's life all died. Um, she returned to her home in Bethlehem in search of food with a Moabite daughter-in-law, but renounced her name Naomi, which meant the pleasant one, and chose instead Mara, which means bitterness. But Naomi ends up financially secure with a remarried daughter-in-law, a fine son-in-law and a grandson, and without any doubt the blessings of her Lord God. Her life had moved from emptiness and bitterness to fullness and joy. Ruth also does well. From poverty, widowhood and destitution in her home of Moab, she builds a strong relationship with Naomi, is admired for her character by the people of Bethlehem, attracts the love and blessing of a good and noble man, Boaz, and is blessed with him as her husband, and the father of their child. After ten barren years with her first husband, God blesses her with a son, with the godly and God-fearing Boaz. And Boaz gets the opportunity to live out his good character and faith, and also gets Ruth as his wife, and with her a son. You can see why I said the theme of this book is from emptiness to fullness, But we should be careful to see the breadth of that fullness. For we know from our experience that in this life, not all our hopes and plans will be realised. Jesus warns us that we can expect hard times in this life. Our lives may not end up being as full as those of Ruth, Naomi and Boaz at the end of our story today. However, there is another form of fullness that is revealed in this story that may in fact be even more satisfying than the security and good relations our main characters get in this story. And that fullness is open to us, however the pandemic and climate change go. The book of Ruth shows that the life of the godly is not a straight line to glory, but there are rewards along the way and they do get there. While we may wonder where we are on that journey, the answer is clear that trusting God, walking with God, even in difficult times, and being known by God, are better than walking alone. If you recall, last week we heard Ruth call on Boaz to marry her. Ruth, a young, poor, foreign woman, called on Boaz, an older, richer Israelite man, to be her husband. Boaz nobly said someone else had a prior claim, a relative of Naomi who could take over the limited interest Naomi had in her husband's plot of land, and by doing that, take on the obligation to marry Ruth so that the land would stay in the family and not be sold to a stranger. Naomi was confident that Boaz would deal with the issue quickly. Within the next day, he went to the city gates of Bethlehem to find the first-ranking kinsman redeemer. The city gates were the place justice and legal matters were dealt with. Boaz showed skill in laying out the situation. He first only mentions the land. 
Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belongs to our relative Elimelech. Then he mentions that the other kinsman redeemer has the first right to buy the land, but that he, Boaz, is next in line. The other man says simply, I will redeem it. Our hearts may fall for a moment, but perhaps the other man was just too hasty. Boaz then says, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. That is a step too far. And the other guy replies, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Ruth had no children in her first marriage to Naomi's son. Perhaps she will have none with him. Or if he had children with Ruth, they would gain an interest in his own land. Or perhaps he was concerned that Ruth was a foreigner and that that would taint the blood of his line or that his land would pass to Ruth if he died first without a child. The things that held back the other redeemer did not hold back Boaz. He trusted in the providence of his God. And then we have this lovely ritual with the sandal. Uh, Whether or not all the witnesses heard everything that was said, they would be able to say, we saw the man take off his sandal and give it to Boaz. And no one would be in any doubt what had occurred. And in case you're interested, we also see here the essence of the way marriages are formed today. We see that marriage is, we see what marriages are in the eyes of God. There are not many weddings in the Bible, but we see the basic ingredients here. In chapter 3, we saw Ruth and Boaz offer themselves to each other in marriage. Uh, we have a version of that in the consent at the beginning of our wedding services. Then we have the public declaration of their intention to live together as man and wife, which is why we require witnesses to weddings. The witnesses join in praying for a family, for the new couple, as we usually do in our weddings. They pray, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Epaphra and be famous in Bethlehem. They pray for God's blessing through children. And probably without knowing it, they pray for far more than they expected. They pray for Ruth to be as productive uh, as Rachel and Leah, who between them had eight of the twelve sons of Jacob, who went on to be the, 12, uh, the heads of the twelve tribes of Israel. The prayers of the women of Bethlehem are answered first in the birth of Obed and then Jesse and then King David, the greatest king in Israel's history, until great David's greatest son, the Lord Jesus, 1100 years later. Their their prayers were really answered in remarkable ways. I love the recognition Ruth gets. The story happened in the time of the judges, who was, uh, and which was one of the most rotten times in Israel's history, with one bad judge or leader after another. 
And there was still some good in Israel, despite all that. God was still protecting and sustaining and shaping the people who would follow him. The women praise God before Naomi. Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous through Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. They praise Boaz for his noble character and right actions, and they recognise the loyalty, love and faithfulness of Ruth, who loved better than seven sons, which in Israel was the perfect number of sons. And in passing, I suppose we should notice the obvious thing that uh, a woman can be better than seven men. And finally, we have God's blessing on Boaz and Ruth, evidenced here by the gift of a child. In God's eyes, it appears there is no need for a minister or celebrant for a marriage to be formed. All they need is consent, declaration, witnesses, prayers and the coming together as one. And if we want to join in evidence from the New Testament in the wedding of Cana, we also need plenty of wine. But that's all that's needed for a wedding, at least in the Bible. The story ends with Naomi taking her grandson in her arms, holding him and caring for him. It's a beautiful picture that neither Naomi nor we could have expected back in chapter one. From bitterness, she now has the wonderful joy of holding new life. As grandparents among you, there is something very special about holding your grandchild. You're not usually caught up in the exhaustion of 24 hour a day care. You get enough sleep and the anxieties that come with new life seem one step removed. It's a wonderful feeling and wonderful for God to bring this story to an end with this picture of Naomi holding her grandson. Carlin and I long for this lockdown to end so we can take Archie in our arms. He's just started to crawl and it would be great to see him. At the beginning today, I said that the fullness we see in this story is more than the material and relational blessings that Naomi, Ruth and Boaz enjoy. The book of Ruth teaches us that God's purpose for the life of his people is to connect us to something far greater than ourselves. Everything we do in obedience to God, no matter how small, is significant. It's noticed by God and valued by God. It is part of a cosmic mosaic where God is, uh, which God is painting to display the greatness of his power and wisdom to the world and his delight in the ordinary things of life. We see this in Ruth as she committed herself to Naomi and, and served her widowed mother-in-law as she gleaned in a field, as she fell in love and prepared herself for her wedding and with her baby. And we see it in Naomi in the simple act of her helping her daughter-in-law and taking a young child in her arms. At one level, there is nothing special in any of this. 
And yet to God it seems that it is all special. As you go about the daily business of your life, going to work, cleaning your house, shopping, cooking, living out your friendships, caring for one another, there's an infinite opportunity to do things like this. And in the eyes of God and in his providence, these ordinary things all connect us to the eternal God and his eternal kingdom. They are part of something so much bigger than they may seem to us. Ruth, Boaz and Naomi were not leaders of their nation or even their own town of Bethlehem. There's no reference to them in extra-biblical sources. But they find an honoured place in God's book because they allowed their characters to be shaped by God and they followed him in the ups and downs of their daily lives. And it is that teaching that Jesus would take up 1,100 years or so later. Jesus said, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. And we really can't ask for more than that. God wants us to know that when we follow him, our lives always mean more than we think they do. For the Christian is always a connection. For the Christian, there is always a connection between the ordinary events of life and the amazing work of God in history. We all move from emptiness to fullness when we move with the God who sees and values every good thing we do, however big or small. And I pray that that will be enough to keep us going through these hard times. Amen.